Hi, I'm Jason Berkowitz. I run our analytics practice for professional services in Americas. I've uh, been with Amazon for four years. I've worked in data all my career. It's what I like to do. Uh, I hope to continue it for the rest of my career, uh, hopefully until the, the robots automate me. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is best practices to become a data-driven enterprise on AWS. So what we're going to cover today are, are a few points. The first thing is what does it mean to be a data-driven enterprise? The second thing is what is your journey to become data-driven? Also, what is the platform you need to build to help your company become a data-driven enterprise? And lastly, I'm going to hand off to my colleague Brad Burke, the Chief Data Officer of American Family Insurance, to talk about his experience helping his companies become data-driven over his career. What I really want you guys to get out of this is a few things, one of which is you're not alone in your journey. We know it's challenging. We want to hear, have, be up here sharing our experience with you as we talk to customers about their data-driven journeys, helping them reach their business outcomes, but as well under, help you understand it's not just technology that we talk about every day. We talk a lot about people, process, skill sets, governance, security as part of that uh, data-driven journey, so we want, to, we want to share that with you. The first thing I want, to, I want to put some definition around is what does it mean to be a data-driven organization? And let, let, let's simplify this for a moment. For us, it's about putting data in the hands of everyone to make better decisions, whether or not that's small or big, or whether or not it's tactical in nature to solve a specific problem or part of your innovation journey, which you're going through right now. It's about putting the hand, data in the hands to make decisions very easily. That's what it's all about. And a few things with that is we want to make sure that when you do that, you do it in a controlled manner so you don't create additional risk for your company. So a few of us have been talking about putting a definition around what, what this means. And to us, a data-driven organization is one that harnesses data as a strategic asset to drive innovation and create actionable insights to supercharge your experience for the customers, your partners, and your employees. So let's, let's talk about some statistics around this. So recently, the IDC did, did a survey on this, and 40% of digital innovation projects have artificial intelligence as part of them. And another 42% of those digital innovation projects are also driven by artificial intelligence. With that, our companies are changing. We have to keep up with disruption. I'm gonna share, I'll share a personal experience with you all. So when I joined AWS four years ago, my first, uh, my first project as an architect was really focused on predictive maintenance. And what we were doing was using warranty claims to study uh, if we could actually identify product recalls earlier in the process. It was a very valuable use case that we found, but it was also part of an entire journey for finding product defects, better supply chain, better manufacturing, better product design, but it was a critical step in your journey. So we're here, we're here to talk to you about examples such as this that you can find that can be actionable and meaningful to help you along that journey. So the, the way we've been looking at this is a, is a couple fold here. Is becoming data-driven, there's sort of two areas. The top, the top part of this is you can think about establishing sponsorship in a business case. In the bottom area, you can think about culture and people and process and security and governance. So let's talk about the top area. So to us, we talk a lot about working backwards at AWS. And to me, that's about what is great. We need to work backwards from what is great so that we can understand how to define our journey towards that vision of what is great. We all know that 
digital innovation or changing your customer experience overnight is not an easy thing. It's just not going to happen. But if we know what our goals are and we can define what is great, we can easily identify and prioritize those use cases so we can get that flywheel started. And we'll talk about flywheels in a moment. As we're doing that, we need to create sponsorship. And sponsorship is critical. You and Andy talked about this yesterday during, during the keynote. To become a data-driven organization, you need to have a sponsor. You need to have a business case that has value attached to it. On the bottom area is more of the people process technology aspect. So we talked about putting data in the hands of everybody. We need to create a culture of self-service, a mindset where people can get access to the data at any time, anywhere, where they can ask questions to information. We're going through a change right now. We're going through a change where people have to develop new skills. And we have to help our colleagues develop those, those skills and enter the new world where artificial intelligence is really moving in and helping disrupt our companies. And the last thing, as I mentioned, data security comes first. We do not want to create additional risk for our companies. So historically, let's do a little history lesson. Um, this is something that I've been doing for, for my 20-year career in data. Applications sent data to a central data lake or a data warehouse in the history, and a central team managed that, and they provided data to consumers. They structured it, they modeled it, they created something magical out of that data, and sometimes not that magical. But let, let's talk about that. That actually created a bottleneck. So personally, I've helped manage that central team uh, for a few years. I also advised uh, about 15 years ago on this topic called Business Intelligence Company Centers, which is all about creating that central team to curate information and provide that to your end consumers to make definitions. But a lot of this has changed. So let's talk about what's changed. Business intelligence is moving to artificial intelligence. We see business analysts becoming data analysts. We see statisticians and software engineers and data engineers becoming data scientists. That thing I worked on 15 years ago that I helped companies do, a Gartner analyst actually wrote that's dead. So business intelligence copy centers have completely changed. And lastly, data, data science education is everywhere. I personally got a degree in predictive analytics about five or six years ago. Uh, and now it's available via online courses. There's over 85 courses in data science that you can help your people uh, get part of and, and help grow their skills. But, but let's talk about what hasn't changed. You still need to create great experiences for your business and your customers. Business still needs to drive revenue and reduce costs. And IT still needs to produce great software and solutions for, that people want to use. That undermines that culture of self-service. So now you have this whole new user community. We have ML researchers doing things in R and Python and MXNet and Spark. We have ML and data engineers doing things in Python and they write automation and CICD. We have business analysts writing SQL now. So the whole world has changed around our user community. Uh, what we see in professional services now, we've got our data engineer role, which we actually retitled last year to data and ML engineer, because we've raised the bar. We expect our data engineers to know machine learning frameworks as part of their day-to-day -day jobs. That's what our customers expect, and that's what you need to be prepared for. So what do we need to do? I feel like we just went through this self-awareness phase. Our companies are going through digital innovation journeys. Our industries are being disrupted. We need to get on the boat to try to help them become data-driven. So I've been working within, our, in our, in our, uh, within our, our professional services teams as well as our business development, solution architectures, and services team about building a program around a journey to become data-driven. 
The first step in your three-phase journey that I'm going to invent and simplify for you is understand your business value. We, talk, we talked about understanding what is great. So let, let's double click on that. For us, what is great, there's two aspects, one of which is meaningful and the other thing that's feasible. So to us, meaningful means that it produces business value, increases revenue. It's something tangible that some sponsor will stick their neck out for you. It will help you uh, get away from the naysayers that are afraid of analytics disrupting their day-to-day -day work. So that has to be completely meaningful. It also has to be big enough and tangible enough, but not small enough that, you, that it won't change any minds. So this is more art than science. This is actually what I do on a day-to-day -day basis talking with companies about trying to figure out where to start. And then we're gonna plan your journey. And your journey starts with building a prove phase. So during the prove phase, we're gonna build a pilot. When I say pilot, it means a production application that proves business value. If at the end of, if the, end of the, the prove phase, you haven't proved business value, you most likely need to start over again and keep on experimenting. But you need to prove business value, that's so critical. In parallel, we're going to do scale and readiness for our enterprise. So we're not looking to disrupt your enterprise to become data-driven. We're looking to focus and be, have tangible build applications within, let's say, 60 to 90 days uh, to enable self-service culture analytics for a specific use case or a set of use cases that's very specific. Within scale readiness, what we do is we assess your ability to scale. So skill sets, people, platform, governance, security, operations. So how ready are you to take after this proof phase is done, everyone's all excited. How ready are you to take that to other departments or actually continue on that journey with another business, with the same business unit? If you skip the scale phase, it's gonna slow you down right before and you'll lose that momentum. So it's really critical to do that, that proof phase and finish it up. The last thing is scale. It's all about rinse and repeat. So how do I take what I just did and repeat that for business, different business units? How do I do it for different de departments? How do I actually take that first use case and expand it on? Or how do I change my, my, my skill sets around my company? How do I take Informatica developers and change them into data, data engineers? Personally, I can speak about Informatica. I have about 10 years of Informatica experience, so I don't mind talking about that, but you, we have to think about that experience. It's a great experience to have, but how do we take that and give them more technologies to use at their fingertips in addition to traditional ETL tools? So we know what we're gonna build we have to get into this flywheel. You'll hear at this conference, Amazon and AWS folks talk about flywheel concepts. And to us, an analytics flywheel is this. We want more data to create better analytics, which leads to meaningful impact for your customers or your business, which leads to more users, which will ask for more data. So I picked an airline example just because most of us flew here. So let's say that engage phase brought out is we really need to focus on pricing optimization. With pricing optimization, I might start with ticket prices or schedule. With that, we're gonna to try to increase revenue per passenger mile, which is a really meaningful metric for the airline industry. From that, we're gonna add customer loyalty or aircraft operational costs and start moving our way down on examples of how to impact your business, and that creates that flywheel. So now we're gonna build this. We're gonna build this airline example. So this is the example I showed earlier. I wanna talk a bit about how this has changed. So remember, applications send data to that team, and that team created great insights for your customers, and you always had to wait for that team to create something. Let's talk about a platform for agility now. This is really what's changed. 
uh, we have concepts called producers, consumers, and this concept of a data lake platform. Let, let's double click into each one of these. So now that central team I just showed you, that is your data lake platform team. That team's primary responsibility is to run your data marketplace. Their goal is to simplify onboarding of both producers of information and consumers of information. Producers could be people like me doing research and downloading data or buying data off the data marketplace. Or they could be applications like uh, Brad will talk about claims applications, for example, producing data. The goal is to make it easy for someone to produce data so that someone else can consume it. And that consumer could be the same person that produced it or somebody else. And that consumer could be an application, such as a smart application, looking to do uh, some smart, some machine learning built into your smart application, or it could be a per person doing financial analytics. Then the roles have changed a bit. We've got producers now that are now responsible for domain expertise and data ownership and data quality, while you have the Data Lake platform team responsible for providing frameworks to those producers to use. So let's talk about an example here. Let's say I need that claims data. You have the claim system sending me data. As a central data lake platform team, I'm going to provide a data quality framework so they can send data. They can choose to put in data quality rules that they know because they know their data. They know it better than anyone else. So they'll leverage those data quality frameworks and customize it so what data they provide is accessible and usable by anybody in the consumer, on the consumer side. They also agree to a contract. A contract is a new term we, we keep on saying. Is, is an S, think of it as an SLA. A producer produces data and they have a contract with any consumer that's signed up for that information. That information needs to be timely, of high quality. Not, a, not all data sets need to have a contract. It's data that's shared or data that maybe they just want to share internally with their team. Uh, some people codify these contracts, things like JSON, for example. And consumers, that hasn't changed. They still need to prioritize businesses. They still execute their analytics. They still do data discovery. So now we're going to talk more uh, about this data lake platform. Um, what I see in my role in professional services and analytics is three key areas we see customers really focused on to create that culture of a data-driven enterprise. The first one is data search, exploration, collaboration. The next level down is support for exploratory analysis and machine learning. And the last one is data platform processing frameworks, for example. Let's double click into each one of those. Within the data, data discovery space, we're seeing companies invest more in catalogs and search and share. Yesterday, I saw an announcement about Kendra to help people search your internet, intranet. So that search capability we're seeing over and over again as being a key capability, but that search capability needs to be integrated with someone to be able to ask questions of information through SQL. So about 10 minutes ago, I talked about business analysts. Business analysts learn SQL. When I, when I talk with startups, I learned that startups don't have all the money in the world to invest in expensive business intelligence tools all the time, so they might train up all their people in SQL. Uh, one startup I was working with was sending thousands of SQL queries per second from business analysts. So you have to think of that is now we have business analysts in, in traditional enterprises learning SQL, and all they want to ask questions to data. They want to experiment really fast. So we want to provide integrated solutions that provide you the ability to search, ask questions right at the data, and not be able to stop, and then maybe schedule or build SQL-based pipelines. One of my first jobs, actually one of the first ETL scripts I ever wrote was Microsoft SQL Server. You'd have to stack a bunch of SQL statements together. Um, that hasn't changed. People are still writing these SQL-based pipelines, 
We see business analysts doing that all the time and data analysts doing all the time. That's just a, nor a, a traditional capability they're looking for. The second area is support for exploratory analysis in ML. We see an affinity towards notebooks, and you saw that yesterday with SageMaker and all the SageMaker announcements around experimentation. Uh, we're seeing people wanting to just write code in notebooks, these ML engineers and data engineers and, and just data analysts that are learning Python, just wanting to code on their own and not have to wait for anybody else. They want autonomy. They want to be able to do their job on their own. The last thing is data processing frameworks. So we talked about this before. We need a framework to enable people to ingest data quickly, to build their own transformations, to focus on business value creation pipelines and not worry about plumbing or infrastructure. So you build this once, you make sure it's secure, you provide that framework for data producers to use. So we're gonna double click into each one of these a little bit more. I'm gonna share with you a few solutions that we've seen people build with our customers. So the first thing, uh, this is what we call a smart data hub. It's, a, it's just a web, web UI. I wish I had a demo for you today. That I didn't get the demo done. Uh, but uh, my, my friend Moshir out in Paris has implemented this at customers. Uh, think of just a simple UI over our core analytics building blocks for building your catalog or working with data. Under the hoods, Athena, Glue, EMR, IAM, all the core foundations. Just a simple UI to allow people to search collaborate, find the data they're looking for. We take it a step farther. They can write queries right in the system and actually schedule and orchestrate SQL-based pipelines. They can send data to themselves and just, and just work with data right there. They can actually provision data in the system. So as a user, I can say, I want access to customer data in this one, one user, user interface, and then the, the data owner then just approves me or not. There's no central team now responsible for approving or denying access controls. We also see partners in the game. So uh, Cloudwick's a partner of ours that's building similar solutions. Uh, uh, Cloudwick has built a solution called Amorphic. Uh, you can see demos on their website. Great solution around bringing together the concepts of search, discovery, content management, uh, and machine learning and analytics and, and development in, in notebooks. So absolutely check it out. It's a great product. Then you, then let's, uh, excuse me, let's look at the support, or, support data anal, exploratory data analysis in ML. So as I said, there's an affinity for notebooks. We have data analysts, ML scientists, data engineers, people that are learning Python. You can go buy a Python course for like five bucks on Udemy now and just start writing code. It's that easy to learn Python. So people are working in notebooks. We've seen um, companies start looking at um, notebooks to run different types of code, R, Python, Spark. So this is uh, just a, a architecture diagram. It's one of my two slides with, with, with uh, services on them, so I'll walk through this for a moment. Uh, people are using SageMaker uh, as your, as your front-end notebook to write your code, to do your exploratory analysis. We're using code commit to obviously store your code and version it. But then as we commit code, we're actually using Fargate to schedule notebooks. So instead of putting things in an IT pipeline, we're actually having, building scheduling functions within Fargate. So uh, my, my colleague Amir Baror is working with healthcare companies to, to build similar solutions. So as a user, now all I need to know is I write my code and I say, where do I want this code to run? I want it to run on EMR for Hadoop or Spark. I want it to run on Glue for serverless Spark. Or I just want to ask questions with data in Athena. And we build abstraction layers over those services. All they need to know is what I'm writing, and where do I need to execute it? I don't need to worry about how many servers I need, any of that. All I need to know is where I need to execute the code. 
So now we've made it easy to work with data. Data readily available, you can search and access. AWS provides agility. It's fail fast, fail cheap, be cost effective. That doesn't mean we forget about process. So uh, a colleague of mine, Veronica, Dr. Veronica Megler, wrote a white paper, which you can get on, on our website, about machine learning guardrails. So machine learning guardrails is all about using economic value to assess what we call is a, a high risk, high reward in machine learning. So we don't want people spending a year doing research work to get to an outcome that doesn't have business value. So we want to assess and provide a process as part of your machine learning teams and your researchers so that they quickly get to value or move on to experiment. We want to make sure that they're supporting identification of risks early in the process, that we have mitigation for those risks. And eventually we're looking at model performance versus economic value that it's producing. So absolutely download that white paper. It's available, uh, it provides great insight into how to build processes around your research teams. So within the data processing frameworks, uh, Embraer uh, went public at our last summit about our serverless data lake framework. So this bottom layer is what we're working on in professional services is about building frameworks to just make it easy for customers to quickly build uh, secure applications and just focus on developing code. So developers focus on building the data pipelines, but not infrastructure. This solution led to a 96 productivity gain in aircraft analysis and data processing. Um, we're taking data collection down from 12 days to five minutes from data being available off an aircraft. So Embraer uh, is, a, is a customer down in Latin America. We're taking the same solution and deploying it at many customers to help them understand how to quickly get value. It's completely automated, uh, completely cloud formation. So absolutely reach out to us about that. So what doesn't change? So we've talked about people changing. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about uh, platforms changing. We're going to focus on scale. So I need to now copy and paste my wins. So we've, we've, built, an, we've, we've built roadmaps. We know what we're building. We know our use cases. We're going to copy and paste our wins. We're going to focus on people, process, organizational model, and how to scale those people to be able to be available for different business units to be able to do their job independently. This is an example of how we scale operating models. Um, this is a drastic one. You're not going to go to this vision overnight, so let's take you through this. So now your analytic practice, that big yellow bar in the middle that used to be that central team, is now responsible for evangelism of the data analytics skills within the business units. We see business units hiring data scientists, data engineers within their business units to solve their problems independently. And now that team in the middle is purely responsible for making their job easy, making sure they know how to collaborate. They can work with different business units to be successful. Uh, the analytics is not standalone anymore. It's, it's unique to a business unit and a business problem. So what I want to do now is you don't have to take my word for it. I want to hand it off to, to Brad Burke, uh, Chief Data Officer. Uh, thank you very much. Nicely done. Thank you. Do you have the clicker or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be important. OK, first it's going to have to, I'm going to need to get used to this weird headset thing that's going on. But uh, thank you, Jason. Um, I agreed to, to come and speak today because uh, you know, Jason had a great speech, but he's also been a great partner to me as we've been on our journey. So I appreciate everything you've 
been helping with. And so a lot of the stuff he's talked about is the stuff we talk about on a daily basis. So having a good partner on the journey is really helpful as well. So just to introduce myself a little bit, my name's Brad Burke. I have sadly been in this now for about 25 years. I think I've had an interesting career and hopefully can provide a sort of interesting perspective. I started my career in the 90s uh, with big system implementations. So I was a software engineer building extensions on SAP in the oil and gas industry. So I was kind of introduced to big data back then when we'd implement SAP and we realized we can't actually report or understand the data. So I also got involved in warehousing projects back then. Then I moved into the startup world in the 2000s and started doing my own startups. So I left big industry and said I was never gonna go back. I've done a lot of data-focused startups because to me, if you have good data, customers will always come to you rather than sort of fighting like having the best front end or fighting on the application side. So data has always been at the center of the companies I've done. Um, and then probably in the 2007 timeframe, I started really working with analytics teams. So at the time I was doing a direct marketing startup, uh, which was the largest coupon site in the world at the time. Um, and really started understanding that what, what is this analytics thing? What's this data science thing? It's making everything we do so much better. So I kind of walked my way into this world through the next couple of startups of really thinking about how you bring the power of software engineering, the power of data engineering, and the power of data science together. Um, and that's really been sort of where I've been at since the 2000 time, 2010 timeframe. I went through that whole journey of Hadoop. Um, how many people have tried to do on-prem Hadoop? Just let me see some hands, okay. So I've got some people who have some, have some experience in that. Um, and then gone through cloud transformations in my own startups. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, one of my company's networked insights was um, acquired by American Family Insurance. And since then, I've become the enterprise chief data officer of American Family Insurance. Um, I, uh, like many of you, may have not thought that the insurance industry was amazingly interesting when I found out I was being purchased um, by them. But to be quite honest, as I have been on this journey for the last year and a half, I mean, it's they're kind of the original big data companies that are using data science to understand risk so they can understand risk and trade money for, for taking on risk. And it's actually really interesting problems that you need to solve. Um, for us, you know, we're a mutual company, so we're here to, uh, to basically protect and restore your dreams if something happens. Um, and we want to be the most, I think it's really important, the most trusted and valued customer-driven insurance company. Um, so trust is an important thing for us when it comes to data. We're also an enterprise. So, you know, we're not in every state with the American family brands. So you may or may not have heard of them before, but you might be surprised if you have bought an insurance through other carriers or through even like retail companies. You may, if you look at the bottom of the pa paperwork, actually realize that your insurance is from American family. So we are an enterprise in the sense that we've acquired a bunch of companies. You know, we have a number of independent carriers and now we want to become an enterprise. That prefix on my title, Enterprise Chief Data Officer, is new. We, each one of these operating companies that are in this mix in the outer layer are independent companies. 
but we've decided that the power of the data is such that we actually want to get into an enterprise formation. And I'm imagining a number of the, the enterprises that you all work for are probably faced with that same issue, which is a CEO's gone to a conference, they've heard about the cloud, they've heard about the power of data, they've read a couple of articles on data science and say, I want that. <laughs> so let's figure out how to do that. Um, and then you need to figure out how to do that. So we are on a, a transformation. Um, we are really trying to leverage technology such as the public cloud um, to provide better customer experiences. So that's through an IT transformation that we're working on right now. Um, in fact, one of my partners in American Family, Jen Brueger, sitting in the front, owns the IT transformation. Um, we're doing a digital transformation. I'm sure anyone who's an enterprise company right now has got a, a DTO office of some sort. But overall, we are trying to move from being data rich. We do, we're a 90 year old company. We have a lot of data. Um, customers provide a lot of data to us when we underwrite insurance. But it's amazing how we use a lot of stories as opposed to data to make decisions and we need to change that. Um, this, this transformation really uh, requires us to really look at uh, do we have a product focus? And I'll talk a little bit about that. Do we have the right data platforms and how we work? How do we have to change how we work? So it's not just about the technologies, but it's also taking a step back, and that's what I'm going to spend a little time talking about is sort of the, the people side and the, the changes that you have to have from an IT transformation to use all the amazing technologies that Jason was talking about before. Before I go there, though, I think it's really, really important to talk about these areas. Um, it's okay to experiment in the cloud, but as you start to think about scale, you really need to take a step back and make sure that you understand the level of consumer privacy. The amazing thing about the technologies today is that you can work with data so much more ephemerally than you have in the past. I mean, how many organizations have SaaS servers laying all over the place that have terabytes and terabytes of data on them? How much, how much better would that be if you have private information centralized in a place that people can only check out when they really need to use it so you have better, a better control surface of your data? You really should have a policy. We're building one at American Family. We're bringing in some outside professors to help us do this to have an ethical data use. We want to publish a standard for the ethical use of data um, and make that transparent to the world. And that includes the way we use the data, the way we build analytics, and particularly the way we build models on top of the data. Um, you have to make sure you have the proper information security and data governance on top of the data so you're using it for the right thing. So I'm not going to talk too much more about that, but I just want to say that as all the neat things we're talking about, if you are a person who owns data and you're about to go on some sort of transformation, make sure you take a moment to think about these things and make sure they're built in um, in what you're doing before you decide to scale. So data as a product. This is... Coming from the startup background, it, this has been very clear to me. Um, like, for instance, one of my companies was called the Patent Board, and we would take the entire corpus of intellectual property across the world and make it searchable. We would apply analytics so it, you could understand it better. But at the end of the day, we were creating a product on top of our data. 
I think a lot of people, when you, if you're in the, I'm noticing that with my traditional warehouse teams, they kind of just think, hey, I'm about creating a warehouse that people, you know, I'm gonna create a future possibility that people might use this, rather than thinking about what is the business purpose that I'm driving to. And as you go through your cloud transformations, you really, it's not a, a race or a game to move all your data. It's not about how many terabytes or petabytes you've moved to the cloud, it's what business value have I created? Um, so we kind of have to move beyond these traditional walls of, and something I've noticed as we've been going through our transformation that we sort of have warehouse teams, we have business intelligence teams, we have business application teams, we have analytic teams, and may they never talk to each other because that seems to be the, the right way to approach it. But when we talk about small two pizza teams, we talk about cross-functional cross teams, um, we call them pods. Um, when we talk about that, it really means about bringing these people together. And it really means having a product focus. What value am I driveling, uh, delivering? I sort of say, you know, I really, myself and my teams are about how we get these things done. Our product teams are really about what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve, what metrics are we assigned to. You may go through a time where, let's say someone invites a data science team and say, you are the future, you are going to figure things out. And they kind of go around the enterprise and hand out free tickets of thing that, things that they're gonna model for people. And that's okay, but you quickly start realizing you're spending a lot of money on data science and data engineering and not necessarily getting a ton of, of business value, and that catches up with you over time. So you really wanna have sort of a business-focused approach, you really wanna have an ROI, or at least some way to measure some sort of return. Sometimes it's hard to measure the return on data, but it, um, you really have to think about that, that product focus, that mindset. And you know, as Amazon says, thinking about the customer and working your way backwards. It's so important to get to, it's so you can get approval to get one of these projects started, but as you want to move forward and continue going, you really have to start showing some wins with what you're doing, and this product focus uh, really helps with that. So, you know, an example for us, um, in order to speed up the time of recovery for a customer's dream after a storm, we want to be able to deliver an accurate on-site home repair estimate. So, for us, uh, we utilize drone technology for that. So we've partnered with Carnegie Mellon University, we've created some drones that can fly really close to your roof and actually do analysis on of, that, of that roof and it'll fly in a, a close pattern so we can tell what the damage is. That's not necessarily a normal project for a business application team. Um, so it's, you need to use these cloud technologies, you need to use software engineers, you need to use data engineers, you need to use um, business system engineers um, you, and everyone to be able to figure out how to do this. So it requires this sort of mass ingestions of data from the edge. So as Jason was talking about having the patterns for ingestion that producers, that's what we do. We create patterns from the, the lake that people can ingest. The first generation of this, they tried to ingest the data directly into the business system itself. As you can imagine, that probably wasn't the right solution. Um, so now we sort of have built a middle ground where this data can come in we can take a look at it, we can analyze it, and then pass it to the business system. 
So I've been seeing over and over again, I think this kind of supports one of the pictures that had Jason put up, like what we're really trying to do from a data perspective, and this is why I do think our worlds are changing. If you work on a traditional data warehouse team today, or you have traditional data warehouse teams, our world is changing. What we're really trying to do is we're trying to isolate the center of the business systems. That hasn't changed much since the 90s in the sense that those systems are still very big and they still take a long time to roll out and that's just the way they're going to be. Um, but how can we create an innovation platform with data around it? And this pattern of constantly needing to analyze, inform, predict, collect, collect, analyze, inform, predict, that, that pattern is sort of the base data science pattern, the base data engineering platform. I actually really like what you're talking about, Jason, as far as adding ML to the data engineering title. I think that's a good idea. But um, what we're trying to do architecturally in American Family is be able to create this layer around our business systems so that we can create those innovative, we're gonna have to continue to collect data from the edge of the network. Whether it's autonomous vehicles, it's drones, it's IoT, and imagine every industry that everyone's in in this room you're gonna keep seeing mass data coming from the edge that you're gonna to need to be able to collect and understand. And then transform it, shrink it, and make it easier for the business system to actually respond to it. And then on the back end, we're really actually changing, as, as Jason mentioned, we are really changing as we do this transformation. The business system does own the data now. It's no longer a central team of warehouse team that it's gonna be in charge of collecting all the data. It's really, we push that, onus back on the business system teams to say, we would like quality data from you. Please provide us quality data. These are the patterns you can use, but push that data in our system. And this overall architecture allows us to one, sort of protect us from the ever-changing nature of the business systems in the middle, but it also allows us to get into an enterprise formation. As I mentioned before, we are a collection of enterprise companies. As you can imagine, that box in the center isn't just a nice little nifty box. It's 40, 50, 60 different systems of record working for all those different operating companies. But we're trying to sort of create that enterprise formation around the outside of it. How can we use our data ethically across the enterprise to provide better value to our customers? And so this is kind of the architecture that's forming around that. So from the, from the example I was talking about, we have these big collection pipelines now. Uh, we also incorporate satellite imagery. I mean, it's just weather. We get a real-time weather feed. There's just so many interesting things that you can bring into the edge these days to enhance your business. Um, we then label, we predict, and then we inform the, the back-end system on how to pay or record the claim. But this pattern, collect, analyze, predict, inform, it really, to me, is sort of like the base pattern for many, many of the things. And as you create sort of your patterns on the AWS platform, you'll just keep reusing this one over and over again. I think the other thing, too, that we don't necessarily think about as we're sort of going in this new age is how do you operationalize this? So if you are someone who owns 
the data science teams or you interact with the data science teams or if you're on the unenviable position of catching what they build, um, you also have to think about what the data, what does the support of a platform like this look like? How are you ensuring that your models are staying, um, that they're continuing to conform to whatever your base metrics are? What are you gonna do when they don't? That was an interesting learning I had at Networked Insights. Once we had about 30 models in production, I realized, wow, I have a heck of a production support problem and I don't really have anything called an ML support engineer. And so I need to figure that out. So those are things you also have to contemplate as you bring these big pipelines online is what kind of support system are you gonna be able to put in place to support it. But I think probably the most important part of all of this is that we really have to evolve the way people think about this work. So when I approach, I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. I come from, as I said, a software engineering background. So as I come into more of the data world, the way I look at it is that data is evolving into its tools and technologies these days, these days. It makes it more iterative. It allows it to be more agile. We don't actually have to carry around 17 three-ring binders full of data models and plan everything up front before we go on a data warehouse project. In fact, I don't even use that word anymore. We can iteratively develop data pipelines. If we need to change something, we can fire up a lot of compute to change it. We don't have to spend 16 weekends in a calendar trying to fix a warehouse if a problem goes on on-prem. I mean, there's just different ways to approach those problems. Um, but I have found, as I've been transforming my warehouse teams, that is actually a really big shift in thinking, to think about how you go from sort of um, the waterfall traditional warehouse mindset maybe using point and click ETL tools to more of a software engineering mindset uh, with using CICD, test-driven development, things that maybe I've been doing for many, many years on the software side that we haven't necessarily been doing on, this, on the data side. So as we're thinking about the upskilling programs for our, our people who work with data today, they kind of look a lot like the beginning of software engineering programs. When we look at our job descriptions in those areas, they start merging a little bit. But if you have a big enterprise right now and you have sort of that separation of church and state between data and software engineering, you're gonna to have to start thinking about ways to bring those closer together, how you normalize the skills, how you provide those skills to the team. That's part of it. The other part is in the business itself. So Jason had put up a slide up there. He's talking about how you have the central warehouse team that slips, splits down to sort of a support team that's making sure that data lake is really working and then the business teams are actually in the game more. And by in the game, meaning they're sort of taking care of themselves. I mean, since BI tools came out and became really in vogue in the 90s, we, the, the, the promise has been you can do data without IT. Um, well, we have not met that promise in any way, shape, or form from anywhere I can see. But it is actually becoming more possible. Unlimited compute, unlimited storage. That's not silent. <laughs> um, unlimited compute, unlimited storage allows you to sort of push more to the business. Standard CI CD practices, standard frameworks and templates allow you to push more into the business. So we are evolving what that means too. I don't have any good answers there right now because we're still figuring it out, but thinking about how do we create a more continuous relationship 
between the IT teams that work with data and the business teams that work with data? How do we not talk about shadow IT or you know, secret business level IT, but really think about how do we integrate those teams together? Um, so that's really gonna mean business users, users must become uh, both data literate and data driven. So it's not just about transforming our own IT teams, but also transforming our business teams. So those were the interesting insights I had. This final slide is for you, Jason. I'll stand up next to you awkwardly. Well, well thanks everyone. Uh, just wanted to uh, just remind everybody we're here to help. Uh, I'm for professional services, uh, and thank you very much, Brad, for, for coming up here and talking about your experiences. Uh, there's lots of ways to get help. Uh, your account manager, uh, training, certification. So uh, again, thank you very much for attending, and that's it. All right, go get some coffee. <laughs>